Welcome to the No Chance Radio Show, a podcast about the world of streetwear, fashion, and everything and anything else. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. USA, 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 make streetwear great again, baby! My guy, Eric Bernetti, defied all odds and proved to the American people that the persistence and hard work, you can make your dreams come true. My God. Red, white, and blue, baby. These colors do not fucking run from nobody. Fuck this back, baby. Fuck this back. Fuck becomes an American staple with the likes of Budweiser, the New England Patriots, Apple Pie, it's a time to fucking rejoice, people. Can I get a hell yeah? Hell yeah! American Streetwear is back, baby. Eric Brunetti wins against the fucking U.S. government. God damn. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the No Chance Radio Show. The No Chance Podcast, Season 2. Man, that got me pumped. My adrenaline is racing right now. I've never been so excited for, uh, for just streetwear in general, man. What a time. What a fucking time, man. We're going to get into this topic uh, shortly. Eric Bernetti and the uh, the fuck, what would you call it? Eric Bernetti versus the entire fucking world. Let's call it that. <laughs> let's call. Let's make a case out of it. The 2019 case of Eric Bernetti, man. Fucked his back. Um, welcome to the show. <laughs> I hope that didn't scare you off. Uh, it's a great, great Friday morning. I know you guys are listening to this and it's Friday. We have a special guest on the show. Actually, can we introduce ourselves real quick? If you didn't already know, my name is Ryan. Co-host of this show is... Say Mel, what's up to what's the people. Up, Melanie is back. And we got a special guest on the show. Say what's up to the people, man. Hey, what's going on, guys? Does that voice sound familiar to most of you people? Probably not, because he hasn't Probably. been on for a while. <laughs> but introduce yourself. Say what's up. Your occupation. What do you do for a living? What's your blood type? Things like that. Oh, wow. That's a little personal. <laughs> uh, hey, guys. We get personal here. Yes, it's, we do. It's me, Marco. I haven't been on the show for like a whole season. Would you rem- Do you remember ex- like which numbered episode that you were on? I'm going to say either six or seven was like the first episode holy I was shit on. it was that long ago dude it was so long i remember that vividly because we were in a studio that we rented somewhere in the city and the first chance i had i was like uh <laughs> <laughs> all we asked of you was to please just introduce yourself to the people and say your name and, and you botched like, that i botched that i don't know how i could ever botch introducing myself because that is the most basic thing in conversation and there were no girls present not what <laughs> there were no girls present were, none, none. you think I, that would deter you but yeah no it was it was a microphone it was just me you and the two of us the two the and, two bros and, uh, and little marco and there. little marco shout out to there. little marco shout out to you bro thank you guys for listening to, the, to today's episode episode 91 yeah Sheesh. If I'm correct, that's nine away from 100. 100 Ooh. is a very Ooh, monumental same. moment. But I want to get into the most monumental moment right now. Yes. What we are all celebrating today. Today is fucked day. Um, what is today? <laughs> what is Friday? Uh, June 28th is now officially fucked day. Um, now that stands for friends you can't trust. Let's get that straight. Uh, just so you understand. But just for a little bit of context, because we covered an entire episode on it. Um, it's a couple episodes back, so I suggest you go listen to it. Eric Bernetti, the founder of streetwear brand Fucked, probably from um, early 90s. One of the pioneers within the world of streetwear. Basically took his shit to court because the uh, the government wouldn't allow him to trademark his brand. It Fucked. Friends You Can't Trust uh, was the brand name that he was trying to get um, trademarked. And basically the the gist about that is, you know, there's a lot of back and forth and a lot of legal issues regarding the trademarking of his name, primarily because, you know, fucked is in the way that it's pronounced is very similar to any other. What do you call those types of words? Derogatory, derogatory, no, nah, uh, not really. Prof- pro- profanity. profanity, yeah, yeah. I mean, let's, forget let's, how it's spelled; it's how it's pronounced. I think yes, that's, that's why they yes. were so eager, or like not eager. That's opposite of what I'm trying to say. So hesitant, hesitant to to, to actually trademark yeah. it. Now, this sort of went through months and months of of, of different um, 
you know, legal battles. And after I want to say the last time we covered that topic was maybe I want to say at least a good four or five months, maybe three, four months through a six to three ruling. Now, if you don't know the judicial system, there are nine total Supreme Justice judges. And through a six to three ruling, they have decided that you cannot deny the fact that fucked as a trademark brand doesn't actually impend any regulations that are currently established. And actually really plays against the whole idea of having freedom of speech. Right, right. Um, That's fucking amazing. That's fucking was that, amazing. Was that was that a pun that was intended? Yes. The okay. word fucked is uh, the word fuck in general is going to be a very <laughs> prominent word in this episode just because of how exciting this actually is. But basically, um, I guess to look at it from the from from two different point of views and, and we, we, we should talk about this is the point of view from not only uh, a legal standpoint in this whole idea of having freedom of speech, but also from the standpoint of being, you know, setting a precedent in the world of streetwear. Now, um, within the world of streetwear, obviously it's within our nature to be anti-establishment, to mm-hmm. be very profane in, the, in how we deal with things in general. But I think in ge- uh, in the topic of, of this fucked case, uh, actually, let me, let me read this quote real quick because this is the epitome of what this means and, and why we're going to get into the conversation of why this is so important, just in, in terms of touching on, on free speech. But um, his attorney, his name is John Summer, he basically, you, John Summer. He, uh, he, re- he represented Brunetti in this entire case. He says he's calling today, I'm going to just say today because today's National Fuck Day, he's calling today a good day for Americans. Americans, okay? Mm-hmm. And a great day for free speech. The US Supreme Court has taken the federal government out of the business of deciding questions of morality. Now, we think of a brand like fucked, right? That's not, I mean, to any of us, it, it doesn't represent a, uh, a demographic and a particular audience. It doesn't, uh, um, you know, shun any sort of ethnic group, right? It's mm-hmm. merely just a term that is similar to that of just a Profanity. It's just the word fuck, right? Now, they use this the multiple cases to argue against it. There was a, I think, an Asian rock band that wanted to trademark the name of their band, and their names, uh, the, the band's name was uh, The Slants. The Slants. And they were Ooh, Asian dudes. Okay, The Slants. Right? And, you know, that is, you know, to other Asians, potentially harming in a way mm-hmm. and in, so in what way enlighten me because i'm confused by that what do you mean slants well <laughs> if you would like because we are asian on this show yes um, i can go ahead and elaborate more on this term <laughs> but essentially this uh slants is a derogatory term just to decide uh, to define what is particularly i think just chinese people in general just yeah. with the whole like Eye like situation. Eyes, and that's something okay. that they were called um, in history, um, but I think that they had um, they had knocked that down, right? So they couldn't trademark that name, which makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if uh, you have if you have a band called the Slants and you you know tour around the country, yeah, things could get kind of dicey. We're the Slants, yeah. You know what I mean? It could get kind of dicey, but you also got to think the. The, the trademark offices also, they, they trademark things such as, you know, um, you know, programs revolving around like, you know, Christian values, right? There's organizations called like, uh, you know, Jesus is for the kids. I don't right. know. I'm just making it up. But it's a, it's a, it could be a potential organization mm-hmm. name. But they'll decline the idea of having a organization called Jesus is not for the kids. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like they always stand on this sort of moral fine line of what the government thinks should be present. And I I feel like that kind of shows the lack of evolution, the government race or any sort of government like tries to get into, because if you think about it, when it comes to free speech, free speech back in, I don't know, the Mm seventies isn't what free speech is now. Not at all. Um, That's true. And it's like, us, us average Joes, people who walk the streets, we're fine with going with the tide. The government, they're like that rock. They're like, no, 
this is how it should be. This is how it's been ever since this country has been created. And this is how we're going to keep it. So it kind of like shows kind of like that weakness or like that fault in the government to where it's like, like how you said, they'll approve something that says Jesus for the kids. But there's something where it's like you can you have to separate church from state. Mm Yeah. And then when it's like something that says, oh, Jesus is not for the kids. Oh, no, no, no. We can't have that. Yeah. It's a it's not just a separation in the way that you say that. It's a good point. It's not just a separation in between church and state. It's the separation between what we think is moral and what is considered free speech. So like we could say like, yeah, adults don't want their kids saying the word fuck, right? Like, Mm -hmm. okay, cool, you're a kid, you shouldn't be. But there's like videos out there. Of course. Of like (laughs) little babies saying fuck. (laughs) You see that? I know, hold on, little little diatribe here. Do you see that video of like the kindergarten school teacher and she's like, good morning class. And the little kid's like, shut the fuck up. I've never seen that. That's when we don't want our kids saying the word fuck, right? Right, But as we grow older, that word fuck becomes, you know, normal terminology, becomes slang, becomes a a part of our daily lives. So it's not to say like, okay, just in general, we're banning the entire word just because a small demographic. It's the application of of the word. Exactly. So to see them sort of stand on this moral line and also to, in the ruling of this, to, to sort of step back and say, okay, this isn't this isn't um, harming anybody. It's not derogatory towards anybody. It's just a tad bit scandalous. Right. right? It's a scandalous word. Right. Yeah. But we can't, we can't rule on scandal. You know what I mean? Because there's a, a variety of different approaches that you can apply. You say the word slants in general, it's derogatory. Mm-hmm. Even if the, the band is all Asian and they're just like, yeah, we, we like the name. Like, like we want to be called it. It's like, slants? no, no, no. Hold on a second. Like so y'all like it, y'all like it. Else. No, but if every can say it, right? Yeah, like what do you call their fans? What do you call slant fans? The, s- the slanters, <laughs> like <laughs> I don't know, the slanties, like it's it's wild and it's outrageous. But I guess sort of what they, they they've come to the conclusion of it in terms of um, the court justices is we cannot rule on something that is just simply scandalous, right. which yeah. I think is a is a great way to sort of set the precedent for all types of free speech. Mm-hmm. Um, this is obviously going to result in every brand ever bringing their fucking racy ass brand name to get, you know, trademarked and that stuff. So eventually, I mean, you'll start to see a giant influx of a lot of these brands with outrageous ass names, bringing it to the table and being like, Hey, fucked got their shit across the line. Like we should be able to also. Yeah. Uh, but now it's kind of like one of those things where it's like, Okay, like, I know you guys are coming. I'm speaking from a court justice point of view. I know you guys are coming, but we're going to set more regulations so right. we can clearly define what it is that we're doing. And for all the listeners out there who don't know, like, the what free speech says per se in the documents is you can say whatever the hell you want, but you can't say anything that, like, defames discriminates. a person, discriminates a person or a group or, like, it's potentially harmful in a literally a physical and mental way yeah mm-hmm. so if you decide to be like hey i'm going to i don't know I'm, I'm gonna bully somebody with my words to the point where like they can't take it you you can't do that but if you just want to say fuck every other sentence that's totally fine because it's not hurting anybody exactly yeah and and this is a sort of understanding here and i pulled another quote from the actual article it says the Supreme Court and many Americans are uncomfortable with Brunetti's trademark, that being fucked. John R. Sumner, that is the the, the guy representing uh, Eric Brunetti. The question is, though, whether any government gets to impose its views about what is moral and suppress those it finds distasteful. Right. Because if we were all court justices. Right. And if we an Asian brand. Uh, any an Asian band bought, brought their trademark for the slants up to us. We'd I don't be like, know who would make you a court justice? I think that'd be a terrible idea. I have the voice for it. Yeah, okay. I don't have the logic for it, With but I voice. have the voice for it. I know how to strike a gavel. I could do it. <laughs> but we would be opposed, right? Even though they would like it. Or okay, let's say something um, a Filipino derogatory term, 
right? A Filipino band comes, they br- bring this derogatory term to find a Filipino. What is a Filipino derogatory term? I don't know. I don't know. I never, I don't know. I never there there must be some, uh, I'm not even going to say it. <laughs> There's probably something out there, but we would be, op- we would be opposed strictly because we don't like it. Right. Right. Mm. Um, and in this case, it's a little bit different, but I don't want to touch on this topic for, for too long, just because it is mostly just like a, a time to rejoice, man. It is. We're not trying yeah. to focus on what happened, but we're trying to focus on the positive results. Yo, we're gone. Like, like we're not trying to fight it. We're, we're out of there. It's we're, good. we're trademark or not us, but fuck this trademark there. They can, they can sort of cut down on like bootlegs and all this other shit. But I think it's just important to see how, like, how powerful streetwear is, you know what I mean? Like, obviously this isn't, this isn't something that, you know, he's trying to fight for anything crazy. It's a trademark. It's simply to say, this is my brand and I don't want other people to make fakes of this right. brand. It's and com- I want to be able to knock sense. It's like, hey, yeah. just like protect my stuff. I don't care. Like you shouldn't matter which what every, it says. Which every brand and company who stays in the lines of, of legal business should have the capabilities to do, right? Mm-hmm. I should have as a, as a right, the ability to trademark my shit and you know whatever comes with it comes with it but i think it's just a larger it plays such a larger piece into like just Amer- not only american streetwear but just with the ideals of of, of free speech and, and how streetwear it, i mean this shit was on like the washington post new york times the la times fucking time magazine like we're talking about just like your your run of the mill streetwear brand, but they're making the head headlines of everything because it's much larger than just streetwear. So, mm-hmm. man, shout out to him, man! What a fucking win. We thank you. What a, we, we we thank you we for thank your you. service. That's what we say. We yeah. thank you for your service. And uh, if if you're listening and you want to give us some stuff, let us know. We thank you for that service too. Yeah. If you decide to give us some free shit. Um, but man, in the beginning of every episode, and I'm sorry we didn't get into that in, uh, in this one, just because I got a little overboard and sort of celebrating this, I like to check in with everyone, you know, see where everybody's mental state is, what's going on in the world with you guys. Yeah. Marco, you just got back from New York, man. I That's did. your first time there. I we did. uh We've recorded episodes in New York previously. We talked about multiple trips to New York. Um And we had a lot of fun. Not, I mean, you didn't come with us, but in the past we've talked about it, me and Nate. Melanie, you've been there before, right? What was your like, uh, like first impressions? What'd you, th- what'd you think? Yo, that place was fucking hot. Like hot as in like weather hot? Weather hot, humid. As soon as I stepped out of the airport, I was sweating. Really? Yeah. It was just, I mean, I'm used to humid weather. True. Um, but I was just like, at first I was like, man, this is really uncomfortable. I'm sweating buckets out here. New York is a hot place, man. It Especially, is. I mean, what it's, yeah, it's, it is considered summertime. Yeah. So it's humid and it's temperatures don't feel like normal temperatures it here in the Bay area. It doesn't. Cause like here in the Bay area, it's like dry heat. So yeah. when we feel the heat, it's hot, but over there it's like hot and just like sweaty. It's like being in the Amazon rainforest, Pretty but with much. no, like no animals. Except for, like, but what rats. was crazy <laughs> is that, yeah, there was, there's a, but <laughs> there's rats there's huge rats <laughs> like big like raccoon rats out there Fucking but what was huge. crazy about the weather there is like it was supposed to be super hot but it was only like mid 70s 70 feels like you. 90 there uh, i'd have to disagree with that with the humidity it actually felt really nice mm. it literally felt like 70 degrees and it was just humid so i was like okay this is this is pretty cool i can wear a pair of shorts i can wear I could wear a denim jacket if I wanted to. Oh, hell no. I was fine. I it was good. <laughs> hell I was good. No. But I get it. I get it. Yeah. Um, New York is a great place. And you've recently got into, I'd say for the past, would you say like six months? Yeah. You got, you got into uh, more of the you know, the menswear, men's yeah. fashion and streetwear that tip. That is my gig now. And um, started doing like, you know, a mixture of like styling videos, tips and, and, yeah. and, and tricks videos on YouTube and really like building up your channel. How has that been? Um, a process. Oh, plain, plain and simple. It's a process. Like, uh, I remember when we all used to work at Nike. I'm bringing this back to like 2000. What was it? Since we all left. Shit. 2016? Yeah, 2016. 2016. Bring it back there where you and Nate were first talking about the podcast. And I was like, man, like I want to like just do some YouTube shit. Like, yeah. I was in like this process of wanting to help other guys out there to not only up their game and elevate themselves in style, but also in just like life in general. 
Um, and so now like for the past like six months, I finally launched a YouTube channel. I've, I've reconstructed my Instagram. So there's nice. not any random <laughs> shit on there. Now it's just like stuff that's actually meaningful. And it's, it's fun. It's a process. I get stressed out about it a lot. Um, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. It's one of those things where it's like, it's really rewarding too. So this is a question I like to ask a lot of people within that space because it is, a I wouldn't say oversaturated space, but it's something that everybody feels like, uh, they can accomplish and do, mm-hmm. you know, not to knock anybody's hustle, but what have you done in that space? Cause there's a lot of listeners here. Like they don't want to just start a podcast, you know, like uh, I don't see p- many people just start a podcast outright and just do mm-hmm. it. You know, it's, um, but with YouTube, it's a little bit, it, it, I'd say it's not easier. It's easier to start, but harder to, to, to maintain. Yeah. yeah. It's, Podcasting it's, is hard to start, but easy. Oh, well, it's the opposite of YouTube. I would right. say, you know, and it's crazy that you, that you mentioned that hard to start, easy to maintain. Yours is easy to start hard, hard to maintain. And it, and it only gets more difficult as exactly. time goes on. Mm-hmm. And it's funny that you mentioned that because when I first started putting out content, I was actually using the model that you and Nate first started with as in just like put shit out every week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And once you got something launched for the episode that same night, you're already brainstorming yep. and putting something out in the middle of the week, launching it again on Friday. What I, what I did after like about like six weeks was I took a step back, reevaluated what I wanted in, in my content and in myself and in my team and decided like, Hey, YouTube every two weeks, Instagram post every two weeks. I feel that. Um, because when it comes to my stuff and what I want to do with YouTube and Instagram, like, yes, like you said, like the market there is, is overly saturated, but that's fine. If for people out there that want to start a YouTube channel and just want to like do things because it's your passion and you're, mm-hmm. and it's fun for you, just fucking do it. Yeah. It doesn't matter that it's oversaturated because sooner or later you're going to find your your place in the world, like your niche, and you're going to just like skyrocket. That's so. an, that's an important that's an important thing to say, especially because you know you type in menswear fashion into YouTube and you, you come across so many different types of of videos. There's the you know the lookbook. There's the wear test. There's the fucking the styling, the hair, mm-hmm. the everything. Right. There's right. people that are already currently fucking cemented and established within that realm. And when you look at those people, you can't really compare yourself to them because they've been in the business for years. And it is their business. Like it's their job to do that now. So what's your mentality? And I know a lot of people, you know, that are, they're trying to get into it as well. A lot of people that listen to this want to start. What is the mentality going into that? Knowing how overly saturated it is, knowing that, you know, maybe you're doing things off of an iPhone, you're doing things sort of, um, secondhand, maybe you don't have enough resources, you don't have the team to do it. You know, what's the mentality going into that? And like, how do you, how do you make sure you hit that quota that you create for yourself? How do you set that goal? You got, you just got to do it pretty much. Like you have to go into it, like whether you have the resources or not, or whether you feel like you have the amount of time, a, you always got resources that, that could be your iPhone iPhones. Honestly, if, if you think about it, they are so advanced from what they used to be that they could damn near just be your camera. True. They could be your camera. You can just upload your shit onto your MacBook or your whatever the fuck you got. And you can just use iMovie. You can use Adobe, like Premiere Pro, whatever. And you can make like a really fire video from that. Um, and two, make time. If you If this is what you really want to do and this is your passion and this is something that you want a part of your life for the long term, you can't just sit there and be like, oh, I get out of work at 5.30, then I got to go to the gym. Fuck, I'm, I can't make a video today. You can make a video. Wake up two hours earlier. If you want to be successful in anything, wake up at least three hours before you have to go to work because that's when you get the real shit done. Wow. If you don't want to wake up that early, that's totally fine. I get it. I'm not really a morning person like I used to be. Just stay up late. Stay up late. Wake up. Be regimented. You got to be disciplined about it. They say it takes about 66 days in total to create a new habit. Yeah. So that means you have to be doing something, you know, somewhat repetitively in order to get into the groove of making it a part of your everyday yeah. routine. Mm-hmm. And that was, that's like the hardest part, honestly, is is making a habit because it's so easy to for habits. There's like two things that are hard to do and one thing that's easy. 
Mm-hmm. One thing that's easy is maintaining the habit. The two things that are hard to do is creating a new habit and breaking it and breaking like a, a previous habit that doesn't serve you at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's being lazy. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> at the end of the day, just don't be fucking lazy. Don't if you, you want to do this shit, then you have to do it and you have to be committed. Otherwise, just don't waste your time. Don't waste anybody else's time. You know what I think it is about that sometimes, and this kind of relates to just life in general, is that some people, they'll get an inch of glory. Yeah. And glory doesn't always mean like you make money or you, you get fame. You get one little accolade that is essentially the, the piece that, you know, the world gives you to keep going. Like, hey, you got a shout out from No Chance Radio. Hey, there you're on is. the podcast. Welcome cool. to the show. Damn, I guess my work's done. I don't have to do anything else. <laughs> you got a light from us. Cool, no, cool. but you get that little inch of, of light and, you know, most people will take that and run with it and it will fuel their car yeah. uh, until they get another one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But for a lot of people... And this is this is just a, a, a reality is they take that little inch and they just bask in that. Yeah. And that's yeah. their claim to fame. That's their the piece that they're just like, OK, I'm done. Like, but that's not where you re- really want to be. You know, nobody, nobody should be in that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you have to be someone like, I don't know, I'm going to use Kobe Bryant as an example. You have to be someone with so many accolades and so much you know, under his belt that he can get something small and just be like, oh, I'm going to just chill like, out that's, now. that's cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to retire. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's just now, you know what I mean? But most people, they'll get the MVP, they'll win the championship, whatever. And that'll propel them forward into this whole other, right. you know, And universe. you know, I, you guys feel that when it comes to like the stuff that's coming your guys' way. I feel, I feel that as well. Um, so like another, here's like a, content creator hack for all you guys out there is as soon as you get like that little spark, that opportunity, take it, acknowledge it, put it in your back pocket. No, that's huge. Mm-hmm. Acknowledging it is important because you have to understand when it is that people appreciate your work. Yeah. And you have to, I mean, whether it's negative feedback or positive feedback, achievements, awards, it's all in the same, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, you digest it, and you move on. Yeah. You know, you can't, can't just like bask in it. Cause then you'll be basking in the past. And then two weeks later, what do you got coming out? This Nothing. is true. This you is true. Thing. So that's pretty much what I'm doing. I know we don't want to talk on this forever. No, but I think, I think it's, it's good to, to just talk about general, like general mindset and work ethic because yeah. those, those traits can be applied to whether it is YouTubing, podcasting, um, you decide to create a brand, things like that. We like to just speak general life advice. So with with this, and, and I'm pretty sure I'll make this like an ending piece. Like this will be my only shameless plug plug on this. You're show. You're gonna have time at the end of, to plug all you want too. So oh, go it's ahead. All good. So like for you listeners out there that want to see my stuff, my stuff is primarily, and I'll give all my info at the end of the of the episode. But pretty much all my stuff is. Um, men's fashion and lifestyle for the bigger guys. That's, that's my niche in the world. That's a good niche. Mm-hmm. Um, that's be, a good niche. Cause I've seen a lot of content creators out there, a lot of influencers. They're not really catering to us bigger guys. Like, yeah, they'll have episodes for us, but like, how can you really apply that when you're not a big guy yourself? I like, like that. Like yeah. you're a 135 pound ripped dude. Who's only five foot four saying, Hey, as a big guy, this is how you should dress. Honestly, in my opinion, I don't want to fucking see that. Yeah. I think that's very disrespectful. <clears throat> but yeah. I, I respect, I respect that you are trying, but I don't respect the fact that you decided to try to come into our space and try to tell us how to dress. So I feel like I should be doing the due diligence for my bigger guys out there and like my fellow extra large plus size folk. And I feel like, that. hey guys, like here's what I have to say. Here's how, why I want to help you take it or leave it. That's a good niche. That's a good niche. And, and a lot of people should sort of, you know, work hard to the point where they, they are, are able to define what their niche is to, to define what your audience is. Like, you know, generally speaking, when you start something, you, you don't know who you're making it for. Right. You know, like you just, you just make stuff, but you make it long enough and you figure out, you know, okay, these people are gravitating towards my shit. Let me start curating my content a little bit more towards the people that truly fuck with what I'm doing. And that's like all a part of the fun, too, because like that is fun when yeah. it's like you don't know, like you say, you don't know what you're who you're making your stuff for, who or who your audience is. You're like, OK, let's let's try different stuff. Like you start, you know, picking in different baskets of content creating. And then once you find that thing, you're like, oh, shit. This is pretty cool. Let's let's see how this goes. And then you just take off right from there. You make content that's purposeful, which is, you know, we're all public servants 
at the end of the day. At the end of the day, the grand scheme of things. <laughs> but thank you for for breaking that down to a lot of our listeners. Oh, thank you. And shit like that. Um, but let's get into our conversation for the day. I mean, we are a streetwear podcast. So let's talk about some streetwear. Um, our first topic of the day, and, and I still don't know how to fucking pronounce this name, but I'm just going to try. Uh, Vetmont. That's correct. Yes, that, that sounds right to me. <laughs> Vetmont releases a shirt uh, within their newest collection for, um, I think it was their, let me just double check. I forget what, which season. The, it was their most recent season. I think it was on their um, uh, fashion Paris Fashion Week was recently. So I think that they had... Uh, they had rocked it on the runway, but it basically says "Don't shoot." It says that it and says it in English. It says it in Arabic, and it says it in French. Now, two. We're gonna. I'm gonna ask two questions around surrounding this topic once I explain a little bit more context. But they essentially release a shirt that says "Don't shoot" in three languages. Very. Um, it resembles a, a very closely made shirt that was released the year prior by a. Uh, I believe it was a French fashion brand. Um, that was basically using the shirt, which was worn during a very, very popular war within in the within the Middle East. And he, he created this shirt as a a way to bring awareness to the situation. Right? There's a lot of political unrest, and there's a lot of wars and things that you know us as Americans we don't know about what's going on in other countries. Uh, so this French designer decided to use this "Don't Shoot" graphic, which the reporters that were you know reporting on these these tragedies we're wearing on the scenes uh, scene of the crime um he decided to release it as a, a larger you know stri- uh, fashion piece uh to bring awareness to what was going on that mont decided to rip that and in this case sort of highlight the fact that this brand was basically using this situation to make money mm-hmm. so you release a shirt that's supposed to bring awareness to a, a particular situation you're not going to price it at $115. You know what I mean? Yeah. And with no indication that this money is going to the cause, it makes zero sense. So this recent Vetmont collection was geared around this idea of uh, capitalistic mindsets. So their whole um, collection had shirts of just like, um, so they had the PlayStation logo on a shirt that said PayStation and like, you know, Vetmont does a lot of like corny ass graphics and shit, mm-hmm. but they use this shirt as an example to highlight consumerism within, you know, this space and also to be somewhat cutting edge or whatever. Um, so this brings up the question one. Um, we've seen more racier shirts than this. Yeah. <laughs> Streetwear has been in general, there have been some, some extremely outlandish graphics, designs, collections, um, let me see if I can think of, do you guys know of any that where you just saw the shirt and was like, is, is that real? Like, is that allowed? Like, uh, like, have you, do you remember any pieces that were just like, that's kind of wild? No, all I remember seeing is pieces where I thought were pretty stupid, but not pretty, pretty stupid wild. falls somewhat in line. But so I watched this video and I'm just going to shout out the, the guy's name because he did a really good segment on YouTube. His name, is, his name is Alex Zavalos. It's a YouTube video that basically said the most offensive streetwear shirts ever released. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to read off a couple of the shirts that uh, he mentioned. So we all know the Yeezus merch mm-hmm. during the um, the Ye- uh, when he first became Yeezus. The yeah, like the, the, the Bound 2 song. Yeah. What, what album yeah. was that? Um, it was the one with the red tab on it. Is that just Yeezus? Oh, that is the Yeezus album. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we saw the Yeezus merch. It had like Confederate flags. It had, um, there was a merch piece that had the Ku Klux Klan on it. Um, like that is highly offensive. You know what I mean? Yeah. That is over the top racy. Another brand, FTP, released a shirt, uh, a PE inspired shirt that said Columbine Physical Education. Yo, that's crazy. That is wild. I Yo, I would one. not. I would that not wear is that. Wild. You don't do that. You don't do that. Yeah, you don't. You don't do that. Um, here, another one was. Oh, I, so I Tyler and uh, used to have is his brand Golf Wang kind of turned into golf, but he released a a, a collection where the graphics were like blackface inspired, and. If any other brand did that, that wasn't, you know, led by uh, an African-American designer, that would be fucked up. Yeah. And 
This brings up the question that I want to ask both of you. And, and oh, hold on. We, I don't want to even get into fucking Supreme Designs. I will oh, say, no. <laughs> say Overfeed. They I got fucking it. go I mean, I insane with the, the types of designs. One of my... I have I have this sticker. They released this collaboration. One of these, uh, I think it was an anime designer, or, uh, a, a Japanese uh, like illustrator, and it was uh, like a clip from a hentai. That's yeah. a, a fucking. It's how do you how do you describe hentai? Just Japanese animated porn. It's it's porn. Yeah, yeah, yeah basically. Um, and it's literally just a dude um, with his fondling yeah. <laughs> a girl on the on the image. And it's, I'm just like, what the fuck it's is called this? The Supreme Overfiend Date T. Overfiend Date. Way to describe that one. That is fucking Wild. crazy. But this brings up the question. Let me ask you guys. Streetwear lives in this racy, raunchy, you know, scandalous aesthetic. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Should people be surprised? That a brand like Vetmont, or should people be offended about this this particular graphic, and why should they if they are? I think it depends. Um, just with my experience with streetwear, when I saw that shirt, it didn't really phase me. But I also think um, just because of what I consume and what I see daily, I see crazier shit every day. Mm. So that one, it didn't really shock me. But I guess like if I was someone from the Middle East, then yeah, it would kind of bring up some red flags for me. But I'm from the US. I don't know what war that was. So maybe if I had awareness, maybe I would get more offended. But as a regular American consumer, I wouldn't think twice about that. I thought the shirt was cool. Like I would buy that shirt and wear it because I like how how like kind of somewhat conflicting, maybe not knowing about the history now, but before if I saw it and it was on sale, I would probably buy it because I think (laughs) it looks, I think aesthetically it looks cool Mm -hmm. and it's, it's kind of like a a really cool ode to just like anti-establishment shit, you know? But I think when it comes down to, to like raciness in general, you make a good point. We are desensitized to a lot of shit. Yeah. A lot of things in the US happen a lot. So I don't think we, or majority of us, like U.S. citizens, like we don't really see it as a problem. But if you're to look at it at a somewhat like political, cultural kind of lens, mm-hmm. it's like, all right, you guys are making this shirt. Where the hell were you in the beginning when this thing sort of happened? You saw a shirt that some person made for a good cause. Now you're just making a cash grab out of it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. There's the cash grab aspect, which I think is, you know, sometimes fucked up. But we I mean, all of our favorite designers pull inspiration or pull inspiration from other designers or other young designers. But in this case, it's, it brings up the question of, you know, tragedy, right? Because in my honest opinion, I feel like Americans don't value tragedies that happen everywhere else in the world, or it's just not as important, but they could be like a hundred times worse Mm -hmm. in retrospect. They always are. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I know, right? But why why do you think that it obviously we're not in the locale of those tragedies? That's exactly why cuz we're not in the locale. Mm-hmm. Thanks for answering my question. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it it only makes sense that, that that's the only case because we I mean, I remember I was on World Star maybe like 2 years ago, 3 years ago, it was actually still like one of the number one media companies <laughs> in uh, in my life. Um and I remember watching that video on uh Joseph Coney Joseph Coney 2012. Ooh. Oh my gosh. And and when I remember watching it and I was just like, man, fuck this guy. We got to do something about it. Where's all the Facebook fundraisers? Where can right. I contribute yeah. money? And within what? Within days. Days it was. It was a thing. Oh yeah. I mean, no, within like a couple of days, maybe a week after, after it circulated all over the news, people just completely forgot about it. Yeah. It's it's that whatever whatever is happening in my neighborhood, whatever is happening in my city, is literally the only thing that matters to a lot of people. It's um, like you're there, you know. You're, like you're, you're there, experiencing, you're experiencing, you're experiencing it. Right? If you're seeing like someone getting shot, like twelve thousand miles away, you're just like, oh shit, that sucks. That sucks. Yeah. yeah. And that's all it is, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. This is this was the designer's um, point of view. So let's go let's go back to the actual design aspect of this and why you know um, the lead the head designer his name is let me let me just bring him Alex Z- no not sorry that was the fucking homie that I took the video from uh, I have his name here somewhere 
Let me see. Oh, uh, it's his name is Demna Gvaslia. I don't know how to pronounce it. That was fucking terrible. Um, but so uh, in a quote from the from the article, he basically said uh, the guy that he had stole the design from who originally designed the don't shoot uh, article. He basically said, I feel it's important to discuss political issues, especially when coming from the Middle East. I use fashion as a medium to have a discourse and exchange points of view. I always reference the Middle East alongside other inspirations, be it politics, architecture, or contemporary art. So this is the guy that sold his shirt in in bringing light to the Middle East for 115 euros. 115 euros. That's fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> Make the shirt for free. God yeah, damn. Like that should be like a, uh, hey, if you buy this, you get this shirt for free. Is, is the money going to whatever cause that you're yes. making if, it for? If you're going to say, oh, I'm, I'm going to bring light to what's going on in the Middle East and you're charging 115 euros for it. Bullshit. You, yeah. Bullshit. You can go fuck yourself. Bullshit. So, okay. Does intention matter with design anymore? Whether you're stealing it, whether you're making it for a particular cause, does it does it matter about what the in person the person was intending to do? Intention matters to an extent. Um, of course, if it is something like this, intention should matter. But um, as consumers, we don't really look at it like that in that lens. Of course, because we're different, we like to go deeper. Intention matters to us. But for your average kid on the street, they probably don't even know why it says "don't shoot." Yeah. So it. It really depends on who you're talking to and who's buying your stuff. Can yeah. you bash people for not knowing? Uh, it's situ- it's situational. It depends. Like if they're ignorant, yes. But if they just straight up don't know, then you can educate them. Well, isn't that the same thing, kind of? I mean, it, to be ignorant means that like you refuse you, to you, you refuse yeah. to learn. Yeah. Like say I bought that shirt, and Mel was like, "Marco, do you know what that shirt's about?" I'm like, "Nah, I just thought it was I thought it was cool." And then she starts explaining, and I just be like, "Yo, I don't want to hear it." Yeah, then like, I, fuck it. This shirt's fly. I paid 115 yeah, like, euros I paid for this. Yeah, and she'd be like, "Why didn't you just? If you really cared about that cause, cause, why didn't you just go find someone else?" Like, yo, it's is designer. It's Vidmont. It's Vidmont. It's designer. <laughs> it's why money? Get off my back. That's, right? that's, that's ignorance right there. I, sure. I get that. Yeah, and. Yeah, it's always like a, a weird dichotomy to sort of uh, how we interpret people's interpretation of, of their interpretation of art. You know what I mean? So whether it's something like this, who Vetmont was really the, 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 the idea behind it was just to highlight that this person was making money off of this particular um, situation or this conflict. Right. That's a form of capitalism in that mm-hmm. sense. Right. But to the wider audience, they just view Vetmont as you making this shirt because you want to make money off of this right. tragedy, you know, mm-hmm. but that's not their, their intention. At least we it's don't kinda know. It's kind of like a damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah. yeah. So do you think it's like somewhat risky for brands to even touch on sensitive s- subjects like these, like to even, to even try to be risky anymore because of how politically correct a lot of people are because of how sensitive a lot of people are. Is there even like a, a purpose to even take that risk nowadays? Well, if you're going to ask that question for like that type of situation, then I would feel like, and this could probably go into like a different episode um, because of the, of the month that we're in. What, what do you, what would you say about like companies and brands doing pride in this? I was going to bring that up. Yeah. Like I was, I think it was like on what complex or high snowbody yeah. where it, it was like a lot of people don't really like mess with companies that do pride initiatives because it's it's in a way a cash grab for them. Yeah, yeah. it is. It is. You know, so there's a, there's there's 365 days in a year, you know? Don't just choose a week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like where are those initiatives throughout the 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 entire time that you could be doing that types of stuff? Yeah, it's and like why now? Exactly. And I mean, you make a good point. It is a it is a, a cash grab. It is to seem as if they are you know, in tune with what everybody mm-hmm. else is doing. And we celebrate everyone on this particular day. That's to be like, on this day. like with yeah. the asterisk with like at the very Fine, bottom, very, very tiny letters on this particular week. We'll, we'll give you these exclusive shoes on this year, on this day. So yeah. would you say Nike's in that realm then? No, yeah, because maybe. they actually get that. <laughs> I'm going to say maybe. Okay, maybe. conflicting ideas. Go maybe. ahead, Mel. I don't know. You go first. I just, 
there's a lot of companies who do celebrate Pride every year, but they always give to a certain cause. So Nike, they're always about um, equality and in- inclusiveness just in general. You know, they always push Nike women. They're always pushing um, like disabled. So mm. they're always pushing for that because as a company, they believe in that. And I think like Adidas, they made a um, they made like the Stan Smith with Keith Haring or something yeah. and like a proceed goes to a foundation. So there are brands who do tell people if you buy this for this month, it will like the proceeds will go to a, to like a certain cause. And there are signs that say that. Yes. Yeah. Like it's, so it's transparent. I agree. People, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I respect those brands and I would buy from them, but you know, you have fucking Target and Walmart putting a rainbow on a shirt saying we celebrate pride. That's just a cash grab. Yeah. It's like, where were y'all at Pride like 10 years ago? Exactly. Yeah. And okay, you said you were kind of on I, the I on would, the fence about it. I'm on it. the fence about it um, just because of like Nike has like been in the news recently. And it's not like the views of the company as a whole, but like the people who work at the company who no longer work there now yeah. because they resigned or got fired, mm-hmm. where they totally stood for and did the opposite of what the brand is meant for so the reason why i'm on the fence about it even though like i still mess with nike and all that as a, as a brand as a company as a man wearing nike right now i am wearing i'm wearing a top TD, to bottom top, <laughs> not the old socks and, and hoodie and yes i'm wearing a long sleeve but not the kith shorts shout out to you kith but Jeez. um name drop i it's it's like for me i'm on the fence because there are people and there might still be people in, in a company like that that's actually very honorable and, and prestigious to where they take away from what the initiative actually is. Yeah. Like, regardless of where the money's going. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. the people you have in your building, do they truly reflect the values that you want to instill? That's a hard one. You yeah. know what I mean? Because you could have top level executives in all of these companies that don't give a shit about pride. Right. Yeah. And they're just like, oh, God damn, like, we got to do this. Like. That is a, that that's a real thing. And when it, when you, when I think about Nike, it's like, okay, you release a product collection that one time throughout the the throughout the year, right? I mean, in the same way that there's a, a women's department, the same way that there's a young athletes kids department, could there potentially be a you know a, a department that celebrates LGBTQ? People. Or like a like a non gender non yeah department. A, a non gender department you know what I mean or, or or in the way that they're somewhat meshing together into gender neutral mm-hmm. clothing pieces men are wearing you know certain women's pieces women's wearing certain men's pieces unisex sizing unisex clothing could that eventually be a thing and is that a way to be like what like we've been doing this like well, I, I think that'd be, I think it'd be pretty sick yeah. like just go from like one floor to another where it's like you just have clothes just everywhere. Clothes. Yeah, it's just Mannequins clothes. Mannequins don't have a male or female silhouette. They're, it's just like flat lays or what so have you of just like yeah. outfits. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, this is hella sick. I want to wear this. But you know what I think that they're trying to do to sort of deter from that is that they're, they're making it more of a you come in and we service you individually. Yeah. Like we're not trying to service different groups and ethnicities and sizes it's and just stuff you i want you yeah. you know what i mean which to that point um i went to the nike location like nike new york their innovation yeah. lab the top floor is a nike plus members lounge yeah so you go there and you hang out there and they serve you so it doesn't matter who or what you are if you go to that lounge and you're like a member you pretty much got like a a personal shopper which is cool and i respect that they have the one in la what's that what's that one called the the new LA store, oh, Nike Melrose, Melrose, Nike Melrose yeah. which is very much tailored to you as a Nike Plus member. Um, shout out to the vending machine with socks. Shout out <laughs> to the vending machine with socks. That's uh, very innovative. But yeah, I mean, ah oh man, I'm glad you brought up that that topic because I wanted to talk about it in a previous episode because I think this weekend is Pride Week in San Francisco. Yes. Yeah. And there is a lot of backlash amongst like the the tech companies, the the larger. Um, what do you call it? The uh, what are those top companies called? Fortune 500 companies based okay. out of okay. San Francisco that are you know speaking about Pride Week, <laughs> week. No, actually they're speaking about Pride Weekend. Weekend, not wow. week. Not not a week, but a weekend. A weekend. You know what I mean? And um, yeah, it was a conversation that I wanted to have because it is, it is 
somewhat questionable about a lot of these brands. Like even even between Nike and Adidas, it's just a weekend. You know what I mean? Right. We are, like they take down that pride uh, swoosh that's up there on the billboard in Nike San Francisco right after the weekend is over. Right. They you know? still have the uh, there's like this be true neon sign from like two years ago. Yeah. They still have it hanging in the window on the top floor. So that's awesome. If you guys like go to the Macy's across the way um, and just like look out into like their little break room area, you'll see the be true neon sign. Like still <laughs> very particular. There. Yeah. Look for that sign. Yeah. Look for if, that sign. And if you guys are there, take pictures of it. Send it to the no chance. Don't group. send it to no, us. I'm going to decline. Send it to Marco. <laughs> yeah. As long uh, along with other weird pictures. <laughs> Don't send me weird pictures. At Marco Pono. At if you're Marco listening, Pono. send him random ass pictures while uh, you're at it. He'll accept all of it. Good luck, man. Oh, quality. <laughs> Check your you. DMs in a week. No, man. I'm going to deactivate my account. All right. Let's move on to the uh, to the last topic of today. Um, man, this one's a really, really interesting one because like I mentioned, Paris Fashion Week uh, was this following week. And one of the most, the, one of the uprising, up and coming brands um, sort of making noises, Aleeks, right? Matthew Williams of Aleeks, also previously from the, the Yeezy camp as well. In Didn't he just design. like drop a... A new Nike collab. A new yeah, Nike collab just dropped today. Dropped. Today's Friday. He has the TR2 over the shoe. Crazy. Fucking shoe that's coming out. Mm-hmm. He's very much known. Alix is a brand that's very much known to play like the middle ground between like like an acronym and like, um, what's the brand? <sighs> Fucking, it's like a more of like a high end brand. Maybe like Yeezus clothing. It's like Yeezus and acronym put together into being like, very clean, but also uses very like premium materials and doing like the simplest things. Yeah, yeah. And even though it's simple, it's like it's genius. And also it's also very like socially rattling. Yeah, it's 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 you. You wouldn't be able to describe this clo- in the same way that I can barely do it right now. It's really hard to, de- to describe what type of clothing this is because you can't put it in the box of right. other people. The yeah. first time the first collab that he dropped or the collab that he dropped with Nike before this one, he got in so much trouble because people thought he was like um like pushing the terrorist agenda for the face mask and oh, like the vest. Oh, that's wild. That Nike had yeah, the balaclava like Nike had to stop selling it. Wow. Cuz cuz they were like he was like, yeah, this like everyone was like, yo, this is pretty dope. Like we want this. But then there was like I guess powers out there that were like, yo, is this dude like a terrorist? Like no, but I mean, Aleeks has that sort of like future military mm-hmm. type. That utilitarian uh, type e- of thing. Exactly. Like you would see this in uh, like movies about the future. Yeah. But it's like an army of the future that only wears Aleeks. Like that's mm-hmm. that's w- what I can imagine. Um, so yeah, Paris Fashion Week happens and um, Aleeks has its runway show that um, actually is, is, is covered by some of the biggest celebrities. And that was like one of the big big shows that everybody wanted to go to because of, of how big the name's getting. You know what I think? Paris Fashion Week is almost like the NBA draft, kind of. Like all these brands, so? they're kind of like, they're known, but once they're put onto the main stage, like Paris Fashion Week, then they're just, they're blown out of proportion. So all the prices go up, their their collections all sell out. Paris Fashion Week really does numbers for a lot of these What would you call Milan Fashion Week then? Like what would that be? I didn't. I don't know. I feel like Paris Fashion Week is like, the most highly renowned fashion week yeah. of them all. There's something about Paris fashion that it just rolls off the tongue. Paris. Milan, Milan, Milan fashion. But no, no, Paris. <laughs> yeah, so he has this show, um, this newest season, things like that. But then an announcement comes out that Matthew Williams of Aleeks is actually going to be partnering or creating, and this, this is when the episode goes haywire, an IOTA system. And Crazy. I'll break that down in a, in a bit. An IOTA system, very similar to blockchain, to essentially provide visibility and transparency into the supply chain that creates Elite's clothing. Which is wild. Really let's break wild. that down. Let's break that down for, for those of you that are listening. Essentially, what they're doing is they're going to include a QR code on all pieces that if you are um, a consumer and you scan it, you're able to see the exact transaction, destination, the supplier, where the shit came from, each material of the piece came from for the piece that you're buying. That is some futuristic shit. And that changes the game for all parts of 
the culture in fashion. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. We talk about transparency a lot. We talk about transparency. We talk about sustainability a lot because that is where that is the direction the trajectory that brands, companies in general want to be following. Yeah. But, and I had to do the research. Do any of you know what the fuck a blockchain is? No. no. (laughs) This shit is confusing, man. If I were to think of blockchain, I would think of like a map. A map. A map. Why does a map come to mind? Because like, like the way it was described in the article, a blockchain is kind of like, a map to the beginning so mm. it's like when you put on code or you put in anything that's like technological it's like in order for this product to work it has to have this piece where did this piece come from it came from this piece mm-hmm. so it's kind of like a roadmap that's filled with information to make the product work essentially makes sense i'm not in tech i don't know this shit i just went <laughs> this is exactly why as- i went to what is blockchain for dummies? And this is the quote that I got. And so I I can provide a a mental image for those of you that are listening. Okay, so picture a spreadsheet that is duplicated thousands of times across a network of computers. Then imagine that this network is designed to regularly update this spreadsheet and you have a basic understanding of blockchain. So it's like having an Excel, a Google Docs Mm -hmm. or a Google spreadsheet, but a million people have it. And anytime one person or a thousand people edit that google sheet it's constantly being updated so every piece of information is being documented for whatever item and we're just going to use item in the sake of clothing of us talking about it now but any item that you're working with shows it so um it's fucking complicated like i said we're not in the tech space i wish we had some sort of tech nerd on this episode today but um we're going to try to figure it out ourselves (laughs) Uh, but essentially what they're doing is they're 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 trying to build a structure that shows transactions the same way that you have like a ledger for your bank account you see every transaction that you make with this credit card what place you made this transaction how much was it and things of that nature Yo, so stock x your time is up <laughs> would you think it's like somewhat separate or would you think this kind of uh technology could be implemented into stock x dude it i feel like it can and it should just because stock x has been getting so much bad publicity lately on selling fakes to where it's like if you scan a QR code that's on the shoe, like or like the size size tag on the tongue, that shoe better Ooh. say that it came from Nike or Adidas or from acronym. If it says that it came straight Malaysia. from Malaysia, yeah, if it says, yeah, if it says <laughs> India it's, it's there or some random dude's address, <laughs> I'm gonna be hot and be like, yo, this is not the shoe I paid for. That's true. That would yeah. fuck up the, everything. Yeah, because we all want made in america it's not gonna say made in beaverton though no it's not (laughs) i just want to be sure that these are authorized pairs that came straight from the authorized from the nike nike factory retailer because yeah so i think that's like a really like positive game changer in the field of reselling and i feel like it should be implemented on more than just. well i mean StockX was getting fake travis scott ones so (laughs) They better implement some sort of system because whoever's whoever's verified checking these shoes are fucking blind. Yo, (laughs) StockX, fire him or her, whoever it is. Get that man out of there. But essentially what this is doing and why this is so important is that brands and consumers can basically know the information that's being, you know, portrayed on the clothing that they're wearing. A hundred percent transparency. Yeah. I mean, the only brand that's semi doing that and only because they're putting out little infographics is Noah, Mm -hmm. New York and and how they're sort of advertising, you know, where their apparel is sourced and shit like that. But let's talk about the importance of this. Let's talk about the importance of improvising and including this new type of technology into just clothing in general. What does that do for fashion? What does that do for streetwear? The fucking possibilities like. There's so much that you could do and and so much legitimacy Mm -hmm. to brands. It also probably scares a lot of brands, too. Like, oh, shit, we really got to get like top notch material now. We can't just fake this anymore. Right. You think that a brand like Aleeks, if it has a QR code where you can scan it and you can view all the raw sourcing of materials and where it's all from and the cost that it took to make it. You don't think that would intimidate other brands? Yeah, it would. It would force them to be honest with themselves. Because, you know, some brands, we don't know where their stuff is sourced or who makes it or how much they're actually spending. So I think it's it's good business for them just because 
it gives um it's more substance for a consumer to, to latch onto. So you can actually know exactly like where their stuff is coming from and why it's important and how, like, why it's actually worth how much it is. Cause mm. it, they're expensive, right? Yes. So it kind of validates the thought process, the design and the material being used on every piece in every line. So what's the disadvantage of this? What's the disadvantage of having hundred percent transparency, hundred percent, no, like to know everything about where your clothing is from. What's a what's a disadvantage? That's gonna like increase the cost most likely on there you clothes. go. Took the words right out of my mouth. It's like if you're gonna say this shirt is made out of like fifty percent bamboo and fifty percent spandex. Yeah. And you have that QR code, man. That shirt's gonna go from like fifty bucks to one hundred and eighty-five. It's mm. going to be crazy. We think that trans. I mean, you got to think about it when when brands. <laughs> they want to play by the rules. You got to pay the price. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? People take shortcuts for the reason of making things cheaper. I mean, the reason why we do free subscriptions until they run out is because we don't want to spend money. Mm-hmm. So if we had to purchase the real subscription, we had to purchase the real product, it comes at a cost. And I think that's something that we have to understand as, as consumers. And I think we kind of get it. You know what I mean? That if a brand, if you want a brand to be fucking vegan, fucking politically correct uh, sources, materials sourced from, you know, non-day laborers and shit like that, it's gonna, the price is gonna go up. Might as well make your own clothes at that point. For real. You know what I mean? Go to Michael's, get some markers. (laughs) They got t-shirts for like a dollar 99. Get a little easel to just, you know, put the Put put some stencils, make a t-shirt, you know? But I think, I I don't think it overcomplicates things though. You know, transparency doesn't overcomplicate things, but I think it just puts a lot of pressure on other brands to like, you'll get your shit together. Yeah. Because Elite's is like, they're already great as a brand and they're on the, the come up of making even greater things. And to add this to their sort of repertoire, it puts pressure on, on other brands to sort of react. And now us as consumers, we're going to expect that from, from brands. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We're going to expect them to... Be like, hey, Noah's over here telling us why their prices raised up. Why the fuck are your prices raising up? Mm-hmm. Can you tell us, please? Like, or else I'm going to move on to the next brand. Yeah, and like la- last year, this shirt was $50. Why is it $80 this year? I exactly. Don't get it. Like, it, it, it just goes to show that, you know, with one, I mean, I wonder if they hate him for doing this. I wonder if they hate a Noah, like other brands hate them for being like, yo, why the fuck you guys keep exposing us? They, like, uh, they probably send send them like passive aggressive emails. Yeah. Back and forth. yeah. Or they, they're like, like fake order stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like other brands would go on other brands' page, fake order things fake and then order. just return them. With like fake names. Yeah. <laughs> just to fuck up their, um, their products. That'd be so funny. That would be. Um. Oh, I just had a thought in my head about that. Now it escapes me. It's okay. It'll probably come back. Probably. But I think I think just to look at at this and just to sum it up, I think it, it's great. You know, we're, every week it seems like we're coming across a new and innovative way of applying whatever technology, whatever systems processing is available to us in, in the real world. Not to say the street was not a part of the real world, but there's a lot of things that a lot of these tech companies, a lot of these, you know, fortune 500 companies are implementing into their, into how they operate as a business that I think streetwear brands can sort of take on and adapt to, which I think is really cool. I mean, that's, that's a new wave. Might as well just go with it. Bro, there's a lot of money in it too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But any last words before we end off this episode, because the last thing we do on, on the episode is kind of shout out anything that we've come across in the past week or so since the last one. Any final words that we want to leave with our, our listeners? Marco, you want to go first? You look like you want to say something. I, I don't know. I was, I was <laughs> waiting for you. I was like. No, nah, go. You go first. Uh, I honestly don't have anything else to say. Man, shout, now's your time to plug. Oh, pl- oh okay. Plug, I man. Plug. Where, where do people find yeah. you? Where do people watch your videos? Where do people um, follow you? I feel like I'm on hot ones right now. All right. All right go. So you, got, you got that camera. You got that camera. You got that camera. Tell the people what's going on in your life. All right. So, uh, guys, uh, again, if you want to find my outfit inspirations and I also have stuff on IGTV, go ahead and find me on Instagram at Marco Pono. It's like saying Marco Polo, but instead of there's an L, there's an N. That's a, that's a, that's the greatest way to describe it. So there's, there's so that. Easy. So 
there's that. Uh, also, YouTube, I do uh, post a lot of content for hair hacks, uh, styling, lookbooks, uh, outfit inspirations, and how-tos, especially for all the big guys out there. Find me at Marco Caliz. My last name is Caliz, C-A-L-I-Z. Uh, if you want to subscribe and see what you like, I would definitely appreciate it. And I would love to have you part of the YouTube family. If not, just thank you for stopping by and watching my videos. And yeah. Appreciate that. Melanie, any last words for the peeps? Um, Just stay hydrated, you know? Hydration. Stay hydrated. The fam. weather's been really weird in the Bay Area, so just stay hydrated and save the turtles. Save the turtles. No more Melanie straws. Pulled out, pulled, Melanie pulled out the metal today. straw at the coffee shop we were just at, and I'm just like, whoa. <laughs> Dude, metal <laughs> straw is so crucial. If I have to see another video of someone pulling a straw out of a tortoise's nose, I'm going to be hot. I'm going to cry. I'm just confused at how that straw got there but i'm, I'm not going to question yeah. it. i'm still going to use i'm not going to use straws you know i'm, about to say you're still use I'm just going to have the ice on my teeth <laughs> i'm just going to have ice on my teeth cool. uh, final words uh for me go buy bobby hundreds book this is not a t-shirt t-shirt yep. it should be out it's a friday it is um and by this time friday i should have read it or listen to it on audiobooks by now uh, it is the streetwear bible that we've all needed um so shout out to uh bobby christ Shout okay. out to Bobby. <laughs> Shout out to Bobby Christ. That is episode 91 of the No Chance Radio Show. Thanks, Mel. Thanks, Marco, for being on today. Thank you. And we will catch you on the next one. Peace. Bye. Bye.